Hello everybody, welcome back to Bullet Point Fitness. Uh, first off, just want to say I've been looking at the analytics uh, behind the curtain, I guess you could say, uh, of the podcast. The numbers are slowly going up. So, if you are new around here, just want to extend a nice warm welcome to you. If you've uh, been around here for a while, then of course you are as welcome as always. Uh, today, I am talking about sleep. Now, this is an aspect of health and fitness that has long fascinated me, Um, although I've not been particularly clued up on the science of it, so I've always wanted to go deep on this one, but the risk has just basically been me talking a load of bollocks. Um, So I've been very careful not to mention it thus far, uh, aside from sleep equals restorative properties equals very helpful for muscle growth and that's about as deep as I've gone with it. So in order to bring you today's episode you'd better believe I've done my homework to bring you today's information. A bit of an aside to start with, first we're going to talk about late night eating and the impact that has uh, on weight gain. After that we're going to talk about Uh, the effect of sleep loss on strength and performance in the gym, uh, the long-term impacts of sleep loss, uh, and what we can do to increase our sleep quality uh, if things aren't too hot for you right now uh, in terms of sleep. Something I've recently learned about, I think it's called seasonal disaffective disorder, seasonal dissociative disorder, uh, and originally my bullshit detector was going off, uh, going out. Oh, this is just an excuse for people to get all sleepy and lazy during the winter months. But apparently it's a real thing, and fairly common as well. So uh, as we go through today's episode, it is early December right now, and I dare say there's a cohort of people listening right now who are struggling with their sleep because of the time of year. Uh, so let's get into the bits and pieces. Now, when it comes to late night eating, I'm sure your parents or your grandma has been uh, fairly uh, consistent in telling you, oh, you don't want to eat your food late at night, that'll make you fat. This being the prelude to sleep, um, I ended up delving down this rabbit hole briefly. So as I mentioned earlier on, this is just a little aside, but the science which, as always, will be linked in the description of today's episode, has been shown to have a negligible impact on weight loss or weight gain when part of a healthy, balanced diet. Uh, However, anyone who says, uh, I'm overweight because I'm a late-night eater, uh, you can be sceptical of them as well, because the chances are high from the research that I dug into that actually they're gaining weight because of a a litany of other things uh, in their lifestyle. Calorie surplus is the primarily obvious thing. Uh, Sedentary lifestyle, all of the usual suspects. It turns out that meal timing in and of itself uh, is not particularly impactful on weight gain or weight loss. Maybe I will get my teeth into that 
in more detail in an episode of it uh, of its own. Interestingly, it was found that if you are a consistent late night sleeper, uh, the overall result would be that you wake up in the morning hungrier, uh, which is ironic. That's not what my primary assumption would have been. And actually, if you were someone who was trying to lose weight and you were skipping breakfast in order to do so and so your eating window was anywhere between uh, i don't know one o'clock and uh, 10 11 pm you would be likely to make yourself a hungrier person and so yeah quick heads up if you are cutting breakfast uh, in the pursuit of fat loss right now uh, it's generally a good idea to stop eating by 8 p.m apparently according to these studies again in the description below but on to sleep itself now uh, what if you are well here's a great example what if you are a parent all of a sudden and your new little sprog that you have created with your partner is keeping you awake at night unfortunately as many in that situation will testify, sleep loss is an inevitability. Now, what if you are someone who was strength training a lot, who was going to the gym a lot, who was focusing on strength development and muscle muscle growth? Uh, there is an impact there, of course, um, which is largely more neurological than physiological. Uh, it was found, interestingly, that after a poor night's sleep, uh, overall performance was preferable the next day if it was done in the morning, as opposed to in the evening and any uh, loss, any metrics on loss of effectiveness or explosive strength that were recorded uh, were as little as like two, three percent. So there is there is a little bit of a loss of effectiveness there. Uh, but as I say, it's fairly negligible. Now we are talking in, in the moment, so the day after here. So what if we're talking something like you, you've only been getting five hours of sleep for the whole month or more? Uh, it's worth remembering that if that is the case, then that two, three percent percentile reduction in your performance will begin to compound into a bigger, not so negligible impact in your ability to perform at the gym. So this leads us nicely onto the long-term impact of sleep loss. Now very quickly, before we get into the frankly terrifying <laughs> results of long-term sleep deprivation, it's important to know that there are four stages of sleep uh, known as sleep waves, and we've got non-rapid eye movement and rapid eye movements, all varying in the restorative impact uh, that is delivered to the body. And uh, everyone thinks that the rapid eye movement is the big whoop here, uh, which is the late among the later stages of the four stages of sleep. However, it's actually the middle, two and three, of non-rapid eye movement that the most efficient restorative, restorative processes take place getting tongue twisted. And when these restorative processes are happening, they are having happy, positive, conclusive effects on, take a big deep breath, here we go, 
Brain activity, heart rate, blood pressure, sympathetic nervous system, muscle tone, blood flow to the brain, respiration, airway resistance, renal function, endocrine function, that's your hormones, body temperature, and sexual arousal. Those are all great things. And as soon as sleep deprivation comes into play, it stands to bugger all of those good things up. So that's very much worth knowing. I'm not going to patronize you, the listener, but if you take that list of things and apply it to a consistent gym journey, it goes without saying they're fairly important to your development as a trainee. And again, let's chop this up now into the short term and the long term. Let's say you have shitty sleep for a week and then you're back to normal afterwards. Worst case scenario, you're going to suffer from an increased liability to stress. Uh, you're going to have a harder time focusing on complicated tasks in the short term. You're going to have a harder time focusing on simple tasks in the long term. So if you're doing a simple task for a really long time, it's going to take cognitive real estate out of you and you're more likely to go sob this, I can't be asked. Um, it's going to increase social anxiety and general irritability. In the long term, we've got cardiovascular risk, hypertension, blood pressure, stuff like that, no bueno. Uh, metabolic syndrome, um, that being the rare instance where calorie deficits and calorie surpluses don't follow the typical rules for you and uh, you may be doing your very best to lose weight in a calorie deficit with very little results. Uh, there's a very similar situation with women that suffer from polycystic ovary syndrome. Uh, they end up suffering from an offshoot of metabolic syndrome which effectively has similar results there. Very, very difficult to lose weight in that situation. Uh, terrifyingly, long-term sleep deprivation also leads to cancer cell activation and there has been a highly recorded correlation with psychological distress leading to an almost guaranteed activation of clinical depression and even suicidal thoughts. All around, pretty scary, pretty bad news. So we all knew that sleep is fairly important. Now we really know it. So what can we do to do better to increase the quality of our sleep. Before I get into this, uh, just as a, a little uh, anecdotal thing that I've experienced often, I will ask uh, clients and gym members in general about their sleep. How is your sleep? And the response I typically get is, yeah, it's fine. I sleep well, it's okay. Which is a very similar answer to when I ask people about their water intake. Yeah, it's fine. I drink plenty. And these responses honestly never fill me with confidence as to the objective reality on these things, the real metrics on these things. And when people say they sleep fine, to me, I, I take that as typically meaning I'm going to bed, I'm sleeping for the duration of the night, and I'm waking up at a time that I intend. Uh, this is in opposition to waking up several times in the middle of the night uh, or an hour or so away from their alarm or taking bloody ages to actually clock off and fall asleep. 
Now, if you're not suffering from any of those things, that doesn't automatically give you a green tick. If you say, yeah, my sleep is fine, that doesn't mean that your sleep quality and therefore the benefits received from it cannot be improved. And it's a tricky one, right? You know, you could be really stubborn here and cross your arms and pout and say, oh, no, my sleep is fine. There's nothing more that can be done. And it's, But how can you say that? You're literally unconscious. <laughs> You're not in a lab. You are not monitoring brain activity or the great many other things that take place while you sleep. You're not monitoring these things. How can you know? And so in the case of water as well, sleep is very much the same. I would say it is best to simply assume that it's not tippity-top. And there is plenty of space for improvement. So let's talk about the things that we can do to improve your sleep. Whether you're a shitty sleeper or a very deep sleeper, someone who sleeps easily. The first thing you can do, and I am outing some of our listeners here because no doubt some of our listeners do exactly this. You can stop and consider how much caffeine you consume throughout the day to keep up with your lifestyle and how much alcohol you consume at the end of the day to turn the dial down and gradually switch off. Those two things, which are a very common combination in the average person of today, create a double threat of awful sleep whether that's um, waking up several times in the night or sleeping like a baby and just having low quality sleep with the restorative functions not at the point at which you would prefer them. So that's the first thing to think about. Are you an addict to caffeine and alcohol to facilitate the rising and the falling of your day? That little bit right there, that's just me. <laughs> we don't have a, an article or a paper to go with that. That's just me. Have a think about that, right? Uh, can you reduce intake of, of either? But the first thing we do have here, where we do have a scientific article, is about vitamin D. Uh, scientifically, there appears to be very little for researchers to disagree on when it comes to vitamin D and sleep. It appears that even in a study of just under 10,000 people, decent cohort to study, vitamin D has been shown to be beneficial to healthy sleep. And the lack thereof has been correlated with a higher risk of activation of sleep disorders. So I recommend, guys, that you do some Googling and see whether your current diet is lacking or just straight up missing foods that involve vitamin D. And how can you easily get more of it? What's that extra item on the shopping list that can easily resolve this? Obviously, the simple answer is to get supplements. Although you have to be careful there as well because excessive vitamin D intake can also not be favorable. So try and go the natural route as best you can with food. You can also think about napping if you have the luxury and the time in your day. Uh, napping has been shown to increase resistance training effectiveness. And if you're able to nap consistently once a day, every day for about half an hour, then we have this compounding effect over time on positive mental health outcomes as well. Unedited, it would appear I've been talking about sleep for 20 minutes. Uh, I will see 
how much I can edit that down because I do like to keep these episodes brief and easily digestible for you guys. That will do it for today. And don't forget, if you're listening on Spotify, my arch nemesis, the little alarm bell, (laughs) is still there and I doubt he's going away anytime soon. If you are subscribed and you are enjoying what you're listening to, do me a solid, ring that little alarm bell so you won't miss a future episode of Bullet Point Fitness. And if you're not subscribed, why not? Click that little button, click subscribe, get involved. I'd like to think I'm getting better at these after a year of doing this. Anyway, I shall stop rambling and I shall resume rambling in a week when we do the next episode. See you then, guys. Take it easy.